You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, you're home. Everybody's like, good to see you. So good to see you at Cayo. All right. So, hey, let's pray real quick. We're going to dive deep into the Word of God. We might have squad time. We might not, but we got free chili in the cafe tonight. So, notice I said free. All right. Ashton, I'll get you. Don't worry. Hold me accountable. Hold me accountable. All right, let's pray real quick, and let's jump in the Word. If you got a Bible, most of y'all probably don't have a Bible. If you got a Bible app, you can use that Bible app, but don't be Snapchatting. Don't be TikToking. Don't be scrolling that feed. Don't be swiping up, Okay. Let's pray. Let's jump in. We're going to move quickly. God is good. A lot of people aren't here tonight because they're sick. A lot of people aren't here tonight because of loss of loved ones. Please keep them in your prayer. Please. Please. A lot of times God is only the good God, but when things get tough, that's when he's even better. When we go through hard times. Father, thank you. Bless this word. It's been in my heart for a little while. I'll get out of your way. You do what you want. Lord, if it's going to be long, it's going to be long. If it's going to be short, it's going to be short. But you do whatever you want. I'm letting y'all get that nervousness out of y'all. Make sure my phone's on silent. Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about Black Panther, and we talked about T'Challa and Killmonger. Somebody goes, Pastor Gerald, did you know that you said T'Challa wrong? I said, yes. Sometimes my English gets the better of me, and I say T'Challa. I know it's T'Challa. I was a bigger fan of T'Challa before you even knew who he was. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so we had two royal, you have two royal sons. You had, a, you had one that was a son that knew his identity. He was the son of the king who eventually becomes the king. And you had a son who was a nephew of the king who was really an orphan. See, the thing is, it's personal. Tonight is personal. It's personal to you. It's personal to me. It's personal to every single one of us because it's real. We either have the heart of a son or we have the heart of an orphan. What's an orphan? An orphan means you're fatherless, means you're motherless. But that's not what I'm talking about tonight. See, I had a friend growing up named Chris. He grew up down the street from me. And he used to brag at school lunches about how his dad was coming home this weekend. Over the years. And at first, I believed everything he said. He's like, yo, Daryl, Hulk Hogan's my dad. Who knows who Hulk Hogan is? Show of hands. If you don't, Hollywood. All right? Hulk Hogan, that's back in the day, y'all. He said, Hulk Hogan's my dad, and he's bringing the, wrestling, the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight title with him. And at first, we're like, you believe, here's the thing. When you're a kid, you'll believe anything. Like, Really? The championship, I can get a picture with that? I can do that? 
Did Hulk Hogan show up? No, he did not. And then he mentioned Lex Luger a couple years down the line. Lex Luger, you might know who Lex Luger is. I'm, I'm my wrestling fans. Come on, Max Kaiser. He's Fox Tastic today, dog. It's like, what is that? It's an inside joke. Lex Luger, he's bringing the United States heavyweight title with him. He's a big wrestling fan, by the way. Just letting you, know, letting you know. Big, big, big. Now, if I said Randy Orton, if I said Brock Lesnar, if I said Roman Reigns, the head of the table, the big dog, you'd know who he is. But guess what? What'd you say? Oh, man, The Rock. Come on. Come on, I know all about The Rock. Got the people's brow all day. I did it before he did. Actually, go look at my drawings in 1994, and I did it first. Anyway, so he lied about who his dad was, right? He lied. Why would he lie? Because he was an orphan. Because he was fatherless. Because it helped him. We're going to get into what a son and orphan really is and how it applies to you. I had another person in one of my youth ministries years ago, not this one. And I'm going to call her Stella. And Stella was one of, my, one of the first students that was ever in that youth ministry. But that youth ministry started to grow and more teenagers started to come. Kind of like what I'm seeing here. More teenagers started to come. And she got jealous. And she said, Pastor Daryl, those people are your favorites. And first of all, I'm like, oh, first of all, I don't have favorites. I might spend more time with some of you, but it doesn't make you a favorite. It just means I see you more. It just means you're around more. It just means you might be hungry more. Hungry? Hungry for the things of God. Ready to serve the kingdom of God. Ready to serve the church. Ready to serve God, period. But she got jealous. Why? Nobody took her spot. There was, first of all, a lot of you guys are worried about your spot getting taken. In the kingdom of God, there is no spot. Everybody has a spot. Am I making sense or am I speaking Greek in here? She was so jealous that she didn't see all of the good things that we were doing in her life, praying for her, checking in on her, helping her out, helping bring destiny and identity and gifting out of her life. But she didn't see that. Because the group started to grow and she got jealous because she had the heart of an orphan. Eddie, my old buddy from middle school and high school who loved to tear people down. He, we talked about it at week one. My weird picture back in middle school. Kobe will probably throw it up if he gets bored. And don't do it, Kobe. Resist. <laughs> but my, I know, that's me back in middle school, back in the day. Yeah, I know. It looks kind of funny. Thing is, Eddie, Eddie became an enemy of mine in sixth grade, in seventh grade, eighth grade, all of middle school, all of high school. Why? Eddie had all the best clothes. Eddie had all the best shoes. Eddie had all kinds of money, all kinds of things money could buy, but he was never happy because he was insecure with himself. So he had to tear everybody else down to make himself feel good because he had a void in his heart that he didn't know how to deal with. And some of you guys are Eddie in the room. So there is the orphan heart, there is the son or daughter heart, or the heart of a son or daughter. What is the difference, Pastor Daryl? Here it is. An orphan is driven by fear, punishment, and rejection. 
Some of you guys serve God out of fear. And don't get me wrong. There's a holy reverence to God, sure. But it's fear. Some of you guys live in the fear of what your coaches and your teachers say. You live in the fear of what your friends say. You live in fear of what the cool guy down the hallway thinks and says, who you never even talked to, and he probably doesn't even know you're alive. But you live in fear. You live in fear of your mom and dad. You don't want to get punishment. You don't want to get punished. You know, some of you guys live in fear of rejection. I don't want to be rejected by anybody, so I'm going to do everything possible to be accepted by them. That's an orphan. A son or a daughter is loved and accepted. God already loves and accepts you. you Christianity is the only religion in the world where you are loved and accepted by nothing that you do. See, here's the problem. Most people, they, they say, well, I don't worship any other gods. Sure you do. You worship yourself. You worship yourself. You worship what makes you feel good. You worship what you want to do. You worship yourself without even realizing. See, God already loves you and he accepts you. Jesus died on the cross for you so that you're loved and accepted already. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love. You already have it and it's already been paid for. You have to do zero. An orphan is anxious. A son or a daughter does not live in fear, but lives in partnership with God. An orphan has a performance mentality. Succeed or fail. I have to be right because I can't be wrong. Because if I'm wrong, it'll wreck my identity. Anybody in here love to be right? But if you're wrong, will it break you? Be careful, it could be the heart of an orphan. Be careful. An orphan feels unworthy. A son or daughter feels loved, forgiven, accepted because Jesus gives that. An orphan has lots of fear, little faith, but lots of faith in themselves. Let me say that again. An orphan has lots of fear, little faith in God, but lots of faith in themselves. Some of you guys are the type of people that you can, you are the one, you're the one that's going to like, Pull up your pants, and I'm going to do it because nobody else can do it. That was me. That was me. I had to do it. And I've talked about it before. When I was 11 years old, I didn't know the root came from when I had to parent my mom or she was going to go to jail. I had to sell my cards. Her mom was going to jail. Right? That's what Daryl, this is heavy. I know. Instead of having lots of fear, little faith, and lots of faith in yourself, you have a daily trust in God and believe he's good and he actually looks out for you. Something, when it comes to your friendships, you guys have competition, rivalry, jealousy towards other people's success and position. If you are jealous over your friend's status, position, or success, you have the heart of an orphan. Be careful. Because you want the heart that is humble and value. Value what your friend's status, position, gifting might be because your value is all unique to yourself. Some of you guys want to be the star basketball player, and you may very well be. Some of you might want to be the star cheerleader. You may very well be. Somebody might be better than you, and that's okay. Hmm. Some of you guys have the heart of an orphan. The heart of an orphan, like Killmonger last week, he wasn't teachable. You couldn't teach him anything. He knew he was right, and that's it. Some of you guys think, I come in here, you come in here and you're around your teachers, your coaches, you're around everybody and you aren't teachable because you think you're right, part of an orphan. 
Whereas sometimes our flaws are brought to the surface so that we can deal with them and then kill them. For example, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I told you all about, like, you know, my 11-year-old self. But into high school, nobody thought like me. I thought about the poor kid. I stood up for the little guy. That was me. I was righteous because everybody else was unrighteous. I was the guy looking at everybody else's faults and flaws just in myself going, well, Daryl, you're the real thing. Pride, wrong, self-righteous. My heart was off big time. Some of you guys come, come in here to Cayo, and you'll come into places where nobody was friendly to me. How about you be friendly to somebody else? Not everything is about you. Maybe it's about somebody else. So your identity is not the orphan heart. Your identity is not the orphan heart. See, when I went from middle school then to high school, uh, you know, like when I messed up, I was the harshest critic of everybody else. I was the harshest critic because I tried to be so self-righteous on my own. I tried to be good. I tried to be holy. I tried to be the best at whatever sport I was playing. I tried to be the best academic person I could be. I tried to be the best at everything because being at the best of everything was my identity. But really, my identity was an orphan heart. I wasn't secure with who I was at all because I was broken. And I went into the adulthood asking the questions, am I worthy? Am I good enough? Who am I? I don't feel worthy at all. See, if you don't deal with it now, you're just going to take it into adulthood, and you're still going to be dealing with that. Pastor Daryl, why are we talking about this? Because if you don't deal with it now, you're going to deal with it later. Let's kill this now. There are adults in our church right over here, far older than me, going through what we call freedom because they never did it. It wasn't even a thing when they were, it was your age. Time is now. The time is now. You're not an orphan. The orphan heart is a spirit, not your identity. Some of you guys, it's even like some of you, some of you high schoolers, I think you're with me, middle schoolers, some of you guys, here's the deal. I could have lived my life as a victim. Lost my parents, my dad lost his job, we lost our house. My mom and dad fought every day. Uh, my uncle was stabbing our tires, cutting our telephone lines, selling all of our possessions. I could have been angry and mad and taken it out on the entire world, and I wanted to. And I wanted to. I could have been the victim. I could be the victim today, but I chose not to be. I am not a victim. I'm a victor through Jesus Christ. I'm a victor, but not because my circumstances dictate my life, but my identity in Jesus Christ determines my life. Some of you guys are in here, you're angry and you're hurt, and you want everybody to feel it. You're a victim. God is here to tell you today. I'm here to tell you today. I'm not God, but I'm representing him. You are not a victim. You're a son and you're a daughter loved by God the Father, and he's ready to rescue you. The devil has got you to buy into every lie and deception. He wants you to be hurt. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to take revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's your vindicator. He's the one that's going to make everything right. He's the one that's going to exact and enact justice one day, not you. Some of you guys have been hurt by people, and I'm sorry. Some of you guys have been abused by people. Two weeks ago, we were praying for people abused in the room, and we all took a knee. I don't know. The Lord told me to take a knee like we do in sports. You take a knee because somebody's hurt, and some people in the room were abused, and I'm sorry. That's not God's plan for you. 
Your parents or whoever that was, they misrepresented God the Father, and I'm so sorry they did that. That was not his plan for you. But the devil has tried to take you out ever since. And if you'll just stop believing that lie and that God loves you and he's for you, he's come to rescue you. He's come to take you out of the miry muck and save you if you'll just reach out and take it. You're not a victim at all, ever. Kill that liar. Kill that orphan. You're not a victim. Boo-hoo you, I'm sorry. There's a time to cry and a time to weep. That's biblical. It's not just a song. There's a time to cry. There's a time to hurt. But God says it's time to stop hurting. It's time to heal. It's time to pick up, put your shoes on, and it's time to start living fully alive again. You know, Kayo comes from Luke 24, 32. Did our hearts not burn as we talked about the scriptures with Jesus as he was walking with us? After he rose from the dead, did our hearts not burn? Did they not come alive? Jesus has come, not that you would live in death and dying, but that you would come fully alive. Kobe, Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that you would become fully alive in him. If you're with me, say, "Uh uh-huh. I'm speaking real truth. I'm, I'm dropping cold hard facts. You just need to freaking take it. Pastor Darrell, what's this got to do with the Bible? Everything. It reminds me of a man named Elijah. Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He's so depressed, he wants to die. I was in eighth grade. I wanted to take my life. I was 13 years old. We had gotten into a house after we lost everything. We started to get back on our feet financially. We moved out of our neighborhood where I grew up with all my friends. Looking back, It was really a godsend that my dad lost his job because I got out of my neighborhood and I didn't get involved with drugs and alcohol and other people getting girls pregnant and girls I knew getting pregnant. Thing is, I got out of that neighborhood. What really was a felt like a curse was really a blessing from God. It's so hard to believe. You think that your situation is the end of the world, but if you'll trust it with God, He will rescue you. He will literally take that and He will give it purpose. He will give it purpose, and he will work everything together for good if you'll just trust him. My life, if anything, is a testament to Romans 8.28. God works things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. God loves me, and he works everything together for good. Amen? Man, Pastor Darrell, you're, you're hot. You're heated up tonight. Yeah, let's go. 1 Kings 19. This thing's been brewing in me for a while. 1 Kings 19. Elijah wants to die. I was, again, I was 13. I wanted to, can I just tell you right now, let's get real. If you thought about taking your life in the room, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But if you thought about that for any reason, it's not the answer. It's like, like some of you in here, like you think the answer is just to quit. Quit stuff. Just some things are good to quit. But everybody thinks, well, if I just quit, or if I just do this, it'll make me feel better. Like cutting. People cut because they're the, the two, the left and the right brain, no longer pair. Log, you don't think logically anymore. You can't logically comprehend the emotions that you're feeling. So you're, the, the two brains dispair, which is just where despair comes from. And the people cut and self-mutilate so they can feel something. Elijah dealt with that. 
and the prophets of Baal. He took on 450 prophets of Baal all by himself to prove who's the real God, the God of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Christian God to us, or Baal. Baal doesn't show up, and they get desperate, and they start cutting themselves, blood everywhere. They were so desperate. Elijah, to keep the story as short as possible, Elijah makes fun of him and says, is your God sitting on the toilet? Is he asleep? Where is he? Nowhere. Elijah builds an altar. They pour water on it a bunch of times. He basically says, God, I know you hear me. And God basically pours fire from heaven, destroys the altar, burns up all the water. People start shouting, the Lord is God, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. They killed all the remaining prophets of Baal. It hadn't rained for three and a half years, kind of like on our wedding day, Tricia. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. The heavens were shut until that day, and it began to rain. Elijah outruns Ahab. Ahab's the enemy king to Elijah. Elijah's the prophet of God, representing the things of God, saying sin and wickedness has had its time and its place, and it's time to make things right. But Elijah gets threatened. A woman named Queen Jezebel threatens him. She doesn't want to kill him, but she threatens to kill him because if he's killed and martyred, he'll do more damage as a martyr. Who knows what a martyr is? Basically, a martyr is somebody that literally when they die, they almost take on legendary status and they become bigger than life. And he would have had a massive following. She didn't want to do that, so she took him off the board. Imagine. I'm trying to think. Take your favorite sports team. Take the best player. And he gets taken off the court, taken off the field. How's that team affected? Pastor Durrell, there is no I in team. There's not, but you normally have, like, dude, I'm just going to say it. Tom Brady, I don't care what you feel about him. That guy can get the field down. He can get the ball downfield faster than anybody I know. If you take him off the Bucks, who they got? Nobody. Here's the deal. She knew if I, she took Elijah off the board, can't do any damage. God, the devil knows that if he takes you off the board, if he takes you out of God's plan for your life, he knows. He knows that you can't do any damage. You can't do any good damage for the kingdom of God. You can't bring life to people. How can you speak life? How can you encourage people if you're depressed all the time? How can you help people if you're too busy trying to save yourself? I know I'm going long. Hang with me. Here's what it says. 1 Kings 19 says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, a juniper tree, prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. He's having a pity party. How many of you guys had a pity party this year? Anybody? Come on, let's get real. Who's had a pity party? Dude, even for five minutes, did you have a pity party? You guys lied to your teeth. Somebody's going to hell. Just kidding. Well, you might be. If you, well, never mind. God has grace for that. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Jason's laughing. Here's what it says. It says, but he was sleeping. An angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. You guys, I'm dropping stuff you have no, you have no idea about. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Thank you. So he ate and drank, and he went back to sleep and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up. And eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 
40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. We'll come back. So Elijah wants to die. He just had the biggest victory of his life. When's the devil attack you and try to do the most damage when you've had the biggest victory of your life? The last two weeks were a big victory to me. Big victory. The devil always comes to try to shut it down. Not today. But he wants to die. He just had the biggest victory of his life, and now he wants to die. God showed himself up. Fire fell from heaven and burned up everything. People started shouting, holy is the Lord. The problem was his expectations were off. He expected the whole nation. He expected Queen Jezebel and King Ahab to just repent and say, I'm sorry. All this trouble I've given you, all this trouble, all this hate towards you, I'm sorry. Guess what? They didn't do that. You're banking on somebody to say they're sorry. What if they don't? What if That's a word for somebody. What if they don't? Are you going to forgive them anyway? Michaela's wondering where this is going. Hang with me. Here's the deal. So God knows he's about to go on a journey. Get up and eat something. By the way, angel means messenger. Was it a bright-winged angel? I don't know. Could it have been an angel posing as a man, dropping some food and just traveling by? Maybe. I don't know. But we know an angel or a messenger came and dropped food off to him twice because God knew he was getting ready to go on a long journey. He's going to Mount Sinai. Who hung out there? Moses. Who was with Moses? God. So the thing is, he was going. He didn't know. Suddenly, he wants to die, and he's traveling for like two, three, four weeks wondering, where is God? So he's going to Mount Sinai. Sometimes when you don't know what to do, you need to go back to what you do know to do, and you need to go back to God. Some of you guys are wondering where God is. You need to go back where he is. Congratulations, he's right here. That's part of it. You need to go back where he is. <sighs> Trisha, am I getting amped up? Am I okay? <laughs> What'd you say? Keep going? Okay. I don't know what that means. But I'm... Okay, I'll see what I can do. No problems. All right, guys, here's the deal. Elijah was living from his emotions, not his identity. He had forgotten the goodness of God and even who he was. He was completely lost. I don't know about you, but there's a time I felt lost. I was 13, I was lost. I was 11, I was lost. I was just graduated college, I was lost. Last year, I was lost. What? Yeah. Not as lost, thankfully. See, God calls out your identity despite how you feel. See, God is, if there's anything you get out of tonight, he's calling out your identity. He's calling out who you really are despite how you feel. Me? I can do that? No way. If you were to ask me, would I be talking to you guys all these years later? I would have said, no. If you would have asked me if I preached before 500 people that would ever happen, I would have said no, but it did happen. Could have been more. I don't really know. Don't care. doesn't matter. It could be five people. It could be 500. I don't care. But here's what God says to him. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? God is asking you guys the same question. What are you doing here? God is asking that question when you're depressed in your bedroom. What are you doing here? When you made that dumb decision and you're 
really like beating yourself up. Some of you guys beat yourself up. You're too hard on yourself. You're too much of a critic of your own self. Take it easy. Have some grace for yourself. Forgive yourself. And some of you guys don't care enough that you should care more. But God is asking, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Why are you in this depressed place? Why are you angry? Why are you here? See, a lot of times our mind is on loop, replaying all of the dumb stuff we've done. Our mind is on loop, replaying. Man, if I didn't say that stupid thing in class, I really wish I could take that back. Man, oh, I wish I could have just done that right in practice. The coach, whatever the coach said, it's just playing on loop in your head. What your parents say about you? Hmm. Some of your parents have the right things on loop. Hey, we love you. We're proud of you. Hey, you're really great at that sport. You're really, man, the way you ran with that ball, Khalil, amazing. Khalil, the way you tackle those people, great job. Just saying. Point is, some of you guys got the wrong things on loop in your head. God is wanting to shut that down if you'd let him. If you would take hold of the truth in the same way, God, like, I'm a child of God, I'm a son, I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, I'm the righteousness of God. Repeat. You have to begin to say the right things about yourself. So many times we're saying all the bad things, and all the bad things are the worst thing to do. See, what happens is Elijah goes to the mountain, God asks him, what are you doing here? And he says the same thing, I just want to die, I'm the only one left, just kill me now. He only sees the bad stuff. He only thinks of the bad stuff. That's all he notices. So there's a, there's a mighty wind that happens. Pull the scripture up, Kobe. We're going to read it real fast. What are you doing here? He says, I was, yeah, skip that. He says, I'm, I'll just kill. He says, now they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left. Next one. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast, the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the wind? Are you listening to the earthquake? Are you paying attention to the fire? Or are you listening for that still small voice of God that says, I love you. You're forgiven. I'm proud of you. You're mine. I'm, God sometimes is even apologizing for things that loved ones have done. I'm sorry. That's not me. I love you. Trust me. Let me heal you. Who are you listening to? Because God once again is saying, what are you doing here? The wind, the earthquake, the fire, that doesn't give you your identity. Only God does. Too many times are we made basing our identity on everything else. What happens when you break your leg and you can't play anymore? What happens when you get an F? Are you going to be able to recover? I know some people, they would, they would be utterly depressed if they got an F. Are you listening to your friends, the wind, the earthquake, the problems? Are you listening to your situation? Some of you guys think you can't get out of your situation. Your family situation is trash, and you feel like you can't get out. You're not a victim. God tells you who you are. God is calling your identity out of you regardless of how you feel. Some of you guys aren't feeling anything. You don't care. It's in one ear, out the other. But it's going to be recorded for you when you want it down the road. And the Holy Spirit's going to bring to the remembrance everything that Jesus said. 
God asked Elijah a question to expose his heart. God didn't take him at his word. There's a lot of times God is asking us a question. I suck. I'm terrible. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. Whatever it is, God doesn't say, yep, you're right. You dumb. You butt ugly. He doesn't say that. By the way, some butts, just kidding. Hey, I got your attention, didn't I? Thanks, Caitlin. I was just saying some butts are not ugly. Like when you got a brand new baby, it's pretty, it's pretty clean. It's not dirty and nasty and poop coming out everywhere just yet. That's where I was going, you dirty-minded people. Get, out, get your head out of the gutter. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to wrap up here. Stick with me. Stick with me. God, God's calling identity out of you. See, God asked him the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? God is asking you that question. What are you doing here? Why are you there? Why are you believing that lie? Why are you buying a deception? Why do you feel that way? It's not true. He keeps asking you the question. I'm asking you the question because it's time to believe the voice of truth and no longer the on-loop voice of the enemy. And sometimes we are our own worst enemy. The voice says, what are you doing here? He says, I've served the Lord Almighty, the people of Israel. They've broken your covenant. God, he says, I'm the only one left. But then God says, go back the same way you came. Go back where you came from. You know what? You're a little lost. You don't know what to do. God's saying, why don't you go back and do what I told you before? Why don't you go back and do Some of you guys are having a problem with God. Some of you guys are having a problem with following Jesus because you haven't done the first thing he told you to do. Man, that reading is tough. Bro, you read Snapchat all day long. Shut up. You read captions on YouTube. Give me a break. You guys lying through your teeth. I don't like reading. You read all the stinking time. Liar, liar, liar. That's a lie you bought into that you don't like reading. Bull crap. Okay, moving on. Here's what he tells him to do. He says, go back the same way you came. Go back. And he says, you know what? All those guys that were your enemies, I'm going to kill them all. You know why? He goes, this guy's going to kill him, and if he doesn't kill him, this guy's going to kill him. And guess what? There's 7,000 people who have not bowed to Baal, 7,000 people that have not kissed Baal's feet. There are 7,000 people. You are not alone. You must embrace and choose your God-given identity. You have to choose. God loves you. God has chosen you. You are his holy people. You have to choose. You can either run from your identity or you can embrace it, but it's your choice. You have a choice in this. If you think life just happens to you, it does and it doesn't. If you're expecting to be the very best basketball player, you better bet you're at open gyms. You better bet you're at practice. You better bet you're at home dribbling. You better be, bet you're watching the professor or you got, you know, I'm just saying, you're going to be doing the work. I like the professor. If you're so focused on being the best basketball player, how about you be the best listener and do what Jesus said? You have a choice, people. At the end of the day, God's saying to Elijah, you have a choice, and so do you. Go back to work. So what, Pastor Darrell? All right, let's get there. See, here's the deal. The Bible says in James chapter 1, 
it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Okay? We'll stop there. I can read the rest of it later. It says to be doers of the word, not hearers. You guys hear a lot of stuff Sunday, Wednesday. Some of y'all listen to, like, worship music throughout the week. Some of you guys not listen to worship music. You probably should. It would help you out a whole lot. You'd have a whole lot more joy. You learn that the hard way over the years, like me. See, the deal is, you have a choice. See, the thing is, you have these, you're either a doer of the word or you're a hearer. You've got to decide which one you're going to be tonight. Here's the deal. See, here's the deal. You have thoughts. You have thoughts. You think something, right? And then when you have thoughts, well, they become words. So when you start thinking something, then you start having words. Things, things get in your heart. Things are already coming out of there. You have thoughts. You have words. And then what? Your words become actions. So you think something. You begin talking about it. And then it starts becoming something you do. And then you do something long enough, it becomes a habit. And when something's a habit, habits are hard to break. But habits didn't just become a habit on day one. Habits started when you thought about it, and then you talked about it, and then you started doing it, and then you created a habit because you kept doing the same action over and over and over. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. See, then it becomes a habit, and then your habit ultimately forms your character. And your character, your character, who you are, right? Your personality, your character is that some of you are very integral, have tons of integrity. Some of you, I don't know. I'm not here to judge you. But I'm saying, you think a certain way, you've spoken a certain way, and it's all led up to this. It's formed your character at this point. You're at a moment where you've got to make a decision. I'm going to believe what God says. I'm going to be a doer of his word, or am I going to be a hearer only? See, a hearer only deceives themselves. It says, because if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his face in a mirror For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. You ever look in the mirror? I take a long time there. I know it sounds weird. My hair on a rainy day, I don't know what's going to happen because I got curly hair. I don't know. It's going to, one day it does. I say, Tricia, my hair is in a bad phase. She goes, Daryl, when are you going to stop talking about that? But my hair does weird stuff. I spend a long time in the mirror. But some of you guys are too quick. You got ketchup on your face. You got toothpaste leaning out. You got nose hairs coming out, by the way. That's a real thing, and it happens, and you don't know how. It just one day starts happening, and you're like, oh, crap. Where, where did that come from? And it's reaching out, trying to grab people. You got to cut that thing off. <laughs> Yo, it's real. Hey, if you're over 25 in the room, it's real. And I'm sorry, ladies. You may, ladies, ladies, you may not have that problem. I digress. Here we go. But it says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it doesn't quit. The Bible says he who endures to the end shall be saved. You got to make it to the end. You can't, look, we can trust in Jesus right now, but the only way you're truly saved is you got to make it all the way to the end. You got to run your race. You got to make it. You're going to have hills and valleys, hills and valleys, hills and valleys. Thank you, Tarn Wells. Hills and valleys. But you know what? You got to endure to the end. Here's what it says. But it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. You want 
to be blessed in everything that you do? Be a doer of the word. What's the word say? Lead it. Here's the deal. Your thoughts. You start thinking about the word of God, right? You start meditating on the word of God day and night. Thank you, Joshua chapter 1. You start thinking about the word of God. You start chewing on it. Then it starts coming out of your mouth. It starts coming out of your mouth because you're reading it. You're digesting it. You're feeding on it. And then when it becomes your words, it becomes your actions. It starts being all you talk about. It starts being, it's how you live. You, don't, you stop cussing. You stop doing drugs. You don't want to vape anymore because you realize it isn't fulfilling. It's not doing anything for me. The thing is, and then it becomes a habit. Man, this Jesus thing is real. It's becoming a habit. I'm talking about him. I'm living it out. And guess what? It's not hard because I'm not an orphan. I serve Jesus out of love. I serve Jesus because it, it's a delight of my heart. And then it forms my character. And ultimately, it creates and forms my destiny. My destiny, who God has called me to be. And it all starts with the love of God. It has to be founded on the love of God, or you've got nothing. Remember last week we said your identity is rooted in love and not rejection. God has not rejected you. God is calling you by name tonight to trust in him. And if you will just begin to walk with him and talk with him, it's going to form and change your destiny. Because this identity, ultimately, identity, determines your destiny. And your identity is in who God has called you to be. And if you start focusing on that and stop focusing on the problem and everything you don't have, you'll begin to think like him. You'll begin to talk like him. You'll begin to act like him. I'm not saying a holy roller and you're perfect. It's not perfection. It's direction. Then it'll become a habit in you and it's not so hard to do. And then your habit becomes your character. It starts becoming natural. And it's, it becomes out of the, you begin to live truthfully out of your heart and not because you're afraid somebody's going to be mad at you because you lied. You're not going to be that manipulative person that manipulates to get what you want. It'll become, you, you have no problem living out the truth because the truth, really God loves me and I'm accepted whether I screwed up or not. And then ultimately, it shapes your destiny. Let's pray. Pastor Daryl, you went for a while. I know. But you know what? I had to bring this thing to a close tonight. Why? Some of the people that needed to hear this message are not here tonight. They need this word. So bow your heads, close your eyes. Your identity is a choice that determines your destiny. You choose tonight. You can choose right now. I'm not going to make you. If God was, if every head bowed, every eye closed, if everyone would just take a moment and just ask God to examine your heart. Are you a doer of the word? Are you a hearer only? Is it going in one ear, in one ear out the other? But are you a doer of the word? Do you want to do the word? Do you want to do what God wants? Well, you've got to make that choice. You've got to decide it right now and every day. And some of you guys are afraid to make that choice because you know you might stumble and you might fail. God doesn't knock. God isn't there to punch you and kick you while you're down. He's there to pick you up and say, okay, we fall down, we get back up. Let's, let's get back on the bike and ride again. Let's start walking. So if you're in the room tonight, what I'm saying speaks to you. 
By the way, I'm very passionate about tonight. So if you think I'm a little crazy, wild, hey, it's just because I'm passionate about this. If you're in the room tonight, something resonated with you, and you say, Pastor Daryl, I want to give Jesus my yes. I just want to say yes to following Jesus. I want to be a doer of the word. My identity, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Whichever one you are, you're a son or you're a daughter. And I'm going to embrace that tonight, whether I feel it or not. Elijah didn't feel it, but yet God still called identity and destiny out of him because God saw the bigger picture. Elijah only saw and felt his feelings. You say, Pastor Darrell, I want to put my identity, I want to place my faith, my yes, my trust in Jesus tonight, and I want him to form my identity and forge my destiny. That's you in the room. With every head bowed, every eye closed, matter of factly, I just want you to lift up your hands. If that's you, anybody in the room, matter of factly, matter of factly, anybody in the room, say, that's me. That's me. I see two. Anybody else? I see two. Praise God. That's awesome. This is not an emotional decision. This is just a time to make one. You might have followed Jesus. You might have given Jesus your yes already, but you're not choosing You're not a doer of the word. You're not choosing to follow him. You're expecting him to do it all for you. And he's saying, hey, if you would just start doing the word, it'll be easy. Because you're not doing it out of performance. You're not doing it out of the heart of an orphan. You're doing it as a loved child of God. And when you do it from a place of love and you realize how much you're loved, it's not hard. It's easy. Anybody else in the room, I just want to invite, invite you. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Come on. Anybody? Anybody? Got two of you. That's good. If that's you, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer real quick. You got to give it the meaning. This prayer isn't what saves you, but placing your faith in Jesus and your trust in Jesus does. You've got to mean it. You just say this in your heart and you got to mean it. Say it out of your mouth. You don't have to shout it from the rooftops right here, right now. You say, Jesus, I give you my yes. Father God, forgive me from living as an orphan. Today, I'm a child of God because you love me, because you accept me. Because you welcomed me with open arms. I'm sorry for anything I've done, any sin that separates me from you. I repent of those right now. There are things that I struggle with, and I give them to you right now. And Lord, if I need to, I'll come up here. I'll lay it on the altar. I'll throw it in the trash can. When I get home, I'll throw it in the trash can, but I'm going to tell one of the leaders first so they can hold me accountable. There's some things that some of you guys need to throw in the trash can. You don't know how much those cost. It doesn't matter. going to go all in. God, I'm all in. I place my faith in Jesus. I trust in your death, 
your burial, and your resurrection. Come inside my heart right now and make me fully alive. My identity rooted in you from this moment on. Forge my destiny. I choose yes. I choose Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen.